Hello and good afternoon. It's a Thursday. Glad to have you taking time from your day to join me in studying the Bible. Uh, we do this on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. If you're watching it live on my Facebook page, it's 3 p.m. Central Time. If you're watching it later on my Facebook page or on our website at westerwin.com or on our West Irwin Live Facebook page or our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook page. Uh, there's lots of options there. Uh, glad to have you joining us a little bit later than live as well. And I appreciate that. It means a lot. We're going through uh, the Daily Bible in chronological order. It is a Daily Bible reading tool, the best I've ever found. It is edited and compiled by F. Lagarde Smith, a wonderful scholar and Church of Christ minister and uh, author. And it's, uh, he's um, put together a wonderful tool to read through the Bible in a year. He has a very minimal number of, of comments along with it, but usually they're there to help you uh, understand exactly what uh, time the timing is of everything that's going on and putting some things together. Just a very helpful tool. And so this year in 2024, we're reading through that together. And on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons, I highlight a little bit of what's going on. This past Tuesday, we spoke about Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons, Aaron, the first priest, a high priest, and his two oldest sons uh, didn't have a very good experience. And um, you can hear about that in my uh, lesson this past Tuesday. So scroll down and see that or uh, if you want. Uh, today, we're looking at one of the most significant events that really uh, takes a toll on, on the people in Moses' day and is really the deciding factor that determined uh, how long they would stay in the wilderness until they crossed the Jordan River and entered the Promised Land. Uh, so uh, we'll get right to it. It's in Numbers 13 and 14, if you have your Bible. Uh, of course, the dates are uh, the last few days in uh, this week as we are covering this. In fact, it might even be today's reading, uh, but in the uh, the Daily Bible. So welcome, Tia. Nice to see my sister coming along. Glad to have you, my dear friend. And I'm sure there are others that will be watching and listening in uh, as well. So again, uh, thinking about this situation, remember where we are in the history of God's people uh, they have been delivered from Egyptian bondage. They have made the trek out through the Red Sea and out to Mount Sinai. They have received the law. They have built the golden calf and suffered because of all of that. Uh, they have uh, received the instructions on putting the tabernacle together, that mobile tent of meeting that they will use up until the days of, of King Solomon when the temple is finally built. But this is what they will use uh, as they go through uh, the wilderness on their way to entering the promised land and then even after they get there and uh, and settle in uh, the land of Canaan. Modern day Palestine, I guess you could call it. It's the Middle East. It's in the area where the nation of Israel is uh, today. And so as they're going through all of that, they uh, come up to this uh, point where they can actually uh, perhaps go ahead and enter the promised land, get get over there, get cross that Jordan River from west to east uh, as they have been coming from Egypt and from the desert. And now uh, are they going to be able to, uh, to get there? Are they going to be able to get there? But before they uh, can do all of that, they send uh, some spies into 
uh, the promised land. And this is where we pick it up in Numbers 13, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So all the 12 tribes, of course, not one from Levi, because um, you have uh, Joseph divided up into his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and the tribe of Levi is the priestly tribe, so they don't get to send somebody. But here's who goes. Can you name the 12 spies? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to. No way. But as I go through this list, you'll recognize two of them. These are their names, Reuben uh, from the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, son of Zachar, from the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, son of Hori, from the tribe of Judah, the tribe that Jesus would uh, descend from, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, you've probably heard of him, from the tribe of Issachar, Egal, son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, son of Nun, whose name Moses would uh, call Joshua, from the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, son of Raphu. From the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, son of Sodi. From the tribe of Manasseh, again, one of the sons of Joseph, Gadai, son of Susi. From the tribe of Dan, Amiel, son of Gamali. From the tribe of Asher, Sether, son of Michael. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, son of Vopsi. From the tribe of Gad, Guel, son of Maki. <laughs> so again, how many of those names have you heard before? Well, probably two, Joshua and Caleb. In fact, we still name our boys Josh or Joshua and Caleb. Why is that? How come those two guys? Well, let's keep reading. In verse 17 of Numbers 13, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev, the south land, and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak. Few or many? What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? That'll be helpful as they go to try to take over the land. How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? They will be raising crops and animals. Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of sin as far as Rehob toward Lebo Hamath, they went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Sheshai, Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zon in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes, just like Moses had asked, but it's not like the grapes you get at the grocery store today. Two of them carried this branch on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. So it was such a huge uh, cluster of grapes that it took two of them to carry it on a pole. Uh, pretty amazing. Uh, at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So guess how long the spies were there? 40 days, huh, that seems significant and you're right. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. That's where they were waiting for them. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. You've heard that phrase, the land of milk and honey. 
That's where it comes from. Here is its fruit. But, and this is where the trouble begins. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So big, strong people and uh, communities and uh, nations of people are there. And uh, they're kind of scary. Their cities are fortified and very large. And the people, who they say, are very powerful. So how do you think the Jews are going to respond when they hear that? Well, exactly like you're thinking. Oh, no, we'll never be able to do this. Except for two. Numbers 13, verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. And Joshua said the same. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size, like the Anakites. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. We seemed like, uh, who come from the Nephilim, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. After all they had seen, and it's been maybe a year since they left Egypt, maybe a little more. After all they had seen, this is what they come up with. Oh no, we'll never be able to do it. The God who stood against Pharaoh had those ten plagues. The God who parted the Red Sea. We, we, he, he would never be able to give us victory over these guys. That was what the people said. Let's choose a leader because Moses and Aaron were going to give up on them. And let's go back to Egypt. Numbers 14 continues with verse 4. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite community gathered there, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said this to the entire Israelite community. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Joshua and Caleb. Caleb of the tribe of Judah, from which Jesus would descend and Joshua of the tribe of Ephraim, uh, whose father was Joseph. Let's go do this. God is with us. We got the Lord on our side. We can do this. Don't talk like this. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them, stoning Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because they said, hey, if we trust in the Lord, he'll deliver us. He'll give it. We've seen it before. 
And instead of saying, you know, you're right, you're right. Let's, let's go in faith. Our God is great. The God of Moses, the God who withstood Pharaoh, the God who parted the Red Sea. We can do this. Our God can do this. And so they decide to stone them for it. Numbers 14, verse 10 continues the story. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. And my thinking is, if I were Moses, I'd probably be kind of uh, thinking about saying, great, Lord, let's do it. Man, I'm sick of these people too. (laughs) They've whined and griped the whole time. But that's not what Moses does. Moses said to the Lord, just like he did when God was ready to destroy them after the golden calf incident. Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power, you brought these people up from among them. And they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They have already heard that you, Lord, are with these people and that you, Lord, have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put all these people to death, leaving none of alive, then the nations who have heard this report about you will say the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised them on oath. So he slaughtered them in the wilderness. Isn't it interesting that Moses, like Abraham did, tries to reason with the Lord. Abraham, remember when God was set on destroying Sodom, talked to God uh, down to where if there were 10 righteous, 10, then he would spare the city. Unfortunately, he couldn't find 10 righteous people. And now Moses is reminding the Lord, look, The whole reason that we've done this, that you've done this, is so that the nations, the people God created in the world, would hear about it and would know that the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, that sacred name God gave to himself when he was calling Moses out of the burning bush, um, they will hear about it and they already know that you're with these people and that you've called these people and now what will they think about you? if you can't bring these people to the promised land. Well, that is just an amazing act of faith upon Moses' part. Uh, And of course, God knows this all along. But Moses, again, is willing to be that intercessor for the people before the Lord. And so this is what he says. Now may the Lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. This is what God told Moses about him when he passed by in front of him. Remember that interesting incident we read about in Exodus 33 and 34? Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And then Moses says, in accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. Uh, Moses stands between God and the people once again. And so the Lord continues in Numbers 14, verse 20. I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory 
and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times. Not one of them will see ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valleys, turn back tomorrow and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. Of course, he includes Joshua also, but God specifically mentions Caleb. And they are the two of the 12 spies that came back and said, the Lord is with us. We can do this. We can do this. But they were, they were overruled by the 10 unfaithful ones and by the people. And Moses and Aaron un- overruled as well. And so God continues, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites, so tell them, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness your bodies will fall, every one of you twenty years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh and Joshua, son of Nun. And so we hear the story of the 12 spies. Ten were bad, but two were good. And those two were Joshua and Caleb. And Caleb would fight with Joshua and with the other Israelites, after the younger Israelites, after they crossed the Jordan under Joshua's leadership. And they would have a special place in that promised land of their tribal homes. Caleb would and Joshua would. But not the rest of them. The others who saw all those incredible things that God did in Egypt, who passed through the Red Sea. God said, those of you who are 20 years old and older, you're responsible. You're accountable. And you won't get to go into this promised land. They were scared to death that they would be killed by the Canaanites, the people of the land. And God said, well, you set your own punishment. You will die in this wilderness. God continues in Numbers 14, As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. They they weren't involved in the decision-making. But as for you... God said, your bodies will fall in, the, in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. Wait, God, why 40 years? For 40 years, God says, one year for each of the 40 days you explore the land. You will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community which is banded together against me. They will meet their end in this wilderness here. They will die. God is a God of mercy and love and grace and forgiveness. That is absolutely true. But God is also a God of holiness and justice, and he'd had it with these people. He didn't strike them dead right then, although he could have. But he knew that they needed to Help these children to grow up, uh, go through some experiences, let these younger generations 
uh, experienced some things. And so God set 40 years as the timetable. Why 40, Bill? Well, because they were in the wilderness spying out the land for 40 days. And so God said for each day that those 12 spies were in there, I'm going to put a year on the time you'll spend wandering around in this wilderness. And so 40 years you'll be doing that. And in those 40 years, all of you 20 years old or more will die in this wilderness, except for Joshua and Caleb, the two of the 12 spies that were good, the faithful ones. So the man Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men who were responsible, the 10 that were bad, these men who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh survived. Why? Because two were good. And it was Joshua and Caleb. When Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. Early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country, saying, Now we're ready to go up to the land the Lord promised. Surely we have sinned. Okay, we'll go now. But Moses said, Why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up, because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies, for the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. God has already set your punishment 40 years before you go and fight for this land. And then this great statement in Numbers 14, verse 44. Nevertheless, in their presumption, I preached a sermon about this one time, and I titled it, In Their Presumption. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the highest point in the hill country, though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moved from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. In their presumption. Oh, wow, we'll, we'll go now, even though the Lord has said that we're, it's not going to happen. We'll go and yet that wasn't God's will. And so they were defeated. It's always important to find out what God's will is. That's the point of what James says in James 4 when he says, we should say if the Lord is willing, we'll go and do this or that. It doesn't mean that we have to say those words every single time. It just means that if this is according to what God wants, and I'm going to try to find out what that is. I love uh, John Ortberg's book, uh, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. One of my favorite titles. And um, as he's talking about that, he's talking about Peter actually walking on the water with Jesus. Matthew 14 records this. He's the only one that does. And so Peter, though, doesn't just run out of the boat. They see Jesus walking on the water. They're all terrified. Jesus says, it's I, don't be afraid. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, then bid me to come to you. He doesn't just jump out of the boat. And the Lord says, come. And Peter does, to his credit. He determines that that's what the Lord's will is. It's okay. And of course, as you know the story, his eyes get to wandering. He feels the wind and the rain. He hears the thunder. He looks down and he sees the water of the sea and he begins to, to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. And, and Jesus pulls him up. 
And uh, we get that great song, Love Lifted Me. I was sinking deep in sin and love lifted me. Well, it's important to find out what the will of the Lord is. And, and the people heard the will of the Lord from Joshua and Caleb. God can do this. God can do this. I'm sure Moses and Aaron chimed in as well. And yet they, they listened to the wrong ones. And then when it came about that they saw the Lord's hand uh, and they had heard the punishment, 40 years they would wander, they said, no, 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 we don't have to wait. We can go now. And Moses said, don't do it, don't do it. But they went anyway. And the Lord was certainly not with them. And they were defeated. What a great, great story. What a, what a disturbing story. Why were the Israelites wandering around in the desert for 40 years, Bill? Is it just because they were men and they refused to ask for directions? <laughs> Love that. Maybe. But more likely, and certainly according to Scripture, it's because it was the punishment that God gave to them. Because of those 12 spies, 10 were bad, 2 were good. And the 10 were, that were bad said, we can't do it. And so God said, okay, fine. One year for each day, y'all were gone. You'll be in the wilderness. Maybe that'll help you remember. And maybe you can tell these stories to the young children because the rest of you aren't going to make it across. Only two, the two that were good, Joshua and Caleb. Yes, not even Moses and Aaron were able to cross the Jordan River. Moses got to see it, but he didn't get to go there. Joshua became a leader then, but that's in a future reading. It's exciting stories, um, a lot of narratives, but it, they're, they're not just stories. They're lessons for us to remember. Let's seek what the Lord's will is, and when we know what that is, let's do it. Let's do it. That's what the people needed to know. That's what we need to know. That's why these stories are there, because with God, we can do anything. As Jesus said, nothing is impossible with God. But if God is not with us, then we're not doing right. And sometimes in our presumption, we try to replace God on the throne and we try to do things our own way and that's that never succeeds ultimately. And so let's go with the two that were good. Let's go with the two that we still name our boys after, Joshua and Caleb. That the Lord can do it if it's his will He'll do it. He'll see us through. He'll get us through. And he will. And he will. I hope you have a great weekend. I look forward to seeing you Sunday if you're able to be with us. Uh, if not, I'll see you next Tuesday. God bless.